Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey guys, welcome to the basement. Thursday, no Rogers decision yet. No Lamar Jackson move yet. Nothing yet. We're just sitting here waiting, percolating, making up theories and ideas and dreams of what might happen. I still want Jameis Winston to be the quarterback of the Jets. That hasn't happened yet either. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a great, great NBA rant. There's really nothing like an NBA postgame rant. We have one that's going to go up there in the all-timers. We're going to get to that one shortly. And I said yesterday something about teams that need quarterbacks, and I'm going to follow up on that today. Does your team need a quarterback? And you may think you have one. Do you have a guy? Do you have one of the guys who matters, one of the guys who's not going anywhere? I bet you don't, because half the league doesn't have one. I'm going to give you my list of the guys who do belong, and then the teams that don't have a guy that belongs. We have all this stuff. You belong right here in the basement with me, with what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Let's go I love doing a little State of the Union with quarterbacks right now. Yesterday I was talking about how Lamar Jackson getting that tag on him, non-exclusive, blah, 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 leaves him open to being explored, investigated, examined by any team that wants a quarterback. If you want to pay a whole lot of money for a really, really special quarterback, the likes of which the league has probably never seen, you can go get one. The Baltimore Ravens are asking you, they're practically begging you. Check out our guy. Put a bid on him if you want. Maybe we'll match it, maybe we won't. And I threw out something. I said that yesterday, as that news was breaking, let's see. There are 32 teams. How many of those teams are lacking a slam dunk quarterback? How many of those teams are lacking a quarterback who is either so good or so paid that they would be have no interest in looking at Lamar Jackson like... Phew, what are you talking about? We're, we're the Bengals, we're the Chargers, we're the Bills. We are not looking at Lamar. We are set. I think it's 16 teams have a guy and 16 teams don't. I think it is right down the middle. There's an equator through planet NFL and there's two sides of it. We have a guy who's great or paid and we have a guy who's probably neither. That probably neither group Shouldn't they be the ones who are doing their due diligence for the organization and their fan base to go and say, like, should we get Lamar? Like, screw it. Let's get wild on a Thursday. Should we go try to get Lamar Jackson? So after I said that, that there's 16 who don't have a slam dunk, there's some follow-up from you guys about, like, well, who are the teams? Name your teams. I'd be happy to name the teams. Remember, some of these guys have quarterbacks that are likable and promising and talented. That's not what I'm talking about. You have a no-doubter either because you are so wrapped up in him financially, or he's just so damn good you don't care, there's no way you're looking at Lamar. You wanna hear the teams that don't have a guy? Here we go, I promise 16. I will deliver exactly 16, let's get into it. The Baltimore Ravens, I'm gonna throw them into that. They may very well may be about to lose Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are on the cusp of not having a guy. Even Tyler Huntley, pro bowler, uh, is a free agent. They don't have a guy, that's one. Atlanta Falcons, self-explanatory. Desmond Ritter is a nice-looking rookie, good guy. I, mean, I like him a lot, actually, as a person. Who the hell knows if he could be a good player? He's a rookie last year in the third round. That's pretty much all they got. Um, Carolina Panthers, self-explanatory. Coach is gone. Baker's gone. It's not going to be Darnold. It's not going to be anybody. They need a guy badly. The Green Bay Packers. Rodgers, let's say he leaves. 
Jordan Love, they're positive, 100%. That's the guy. Now, listen, they're going to go with Love. They're going to see what he's got. But would it not make their team better if immediately, if they jumped up and got Lamar Jackson to replace Rodgers and just change the world, the guy we already know can play instead of Love? We really don't know. I'm putting the Packers on the list. Texans, obviously. Texans, pretty much always. Colts, they run the senior tour for quarterbacks. You stop by the Colts for a year or two on your way out of the league, and we'll give you a gold watch. The Colts need a quarterback. The Raiders, obviously, need a quarterback. Jimmy G, who the hell knows? Make a bit at Lamar. Try it. Raiders are on the list. Let's keep on cruising. Jets, obviously. Don't get Rodgers. Rodgers decides to say a Packers. Rodgers decides to retire. You know you're going to Lamar next. Because after that, it gets ugly. Then it's Jimmy G. We've talked about this. Lamar, for sure, to the Jets. Place would go crazy. 49ers. Can you just imagine? Can you bleeping imagine Lamar Jackson in the Shanahan offense with the McCaffrey and the Debo and the Juszczyk and the Kittle, they would rush for 700 yards a game. I don't know. Who knows? They got, I know all they got. They got Lance and they got Purdy and blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is if you shocked the world and just said, screw it, John Lynch goes out and gets Lamar Jackson, get the hell out of the way. The 49ers are on my list. Buccaneers, obviously. They're saying, oh, we're paying the price for Brady. We're going to, we believe in Kyle Trask. There's a lot of teams right now that believe in a lot of quarterbacks. You're seeing that quote a lot. We believe in them. We're a big fan of them. We'll see. Kyle Trask is going to start the season for the Buccaneers. He's the guy. We'll see. Bucks are on the list. Let's keep on cruising. I said 16. Titans, for sure. For sure. Tannehill, are we going to run that back out there again? We like him that much. Mike Vrabel is not punching through drywall looking for a better quarterback. Commanders, obviously. Quarterbacks under contract, Sam Howell and Jake Fromm, the State Farm guy. Commanders, go get Lamar Jackson. Let's keep going. One's a little dicey. The Bears. I like Justin Fields. You like Justin Fields as an athlete, as a player, as a runner. Everyone says he's going to keep developing his passer. You got to surround him with players. Sure. Great. I understand all of that. I agree with all that. If I woke up tomorrow morning and Lamar Jackson was the Bears quarterback, I'd probably do a bat flip from my Chicago roots. Anybody in the 847-312-773 would too. Bears on the list. Dolphins on the list. Mike McDaniel's not playing around. We love Tua. Terrible thing going on with his concussions. It's really frustrating, scary, annoying for a great guy and a really good looking player. Can you trust that? Is he going to be able to make it through a season? We're just talking real life here. Lamar. Imagine Lamar with Tyreek and Waddle and oh man. Dolphins are on the list. You wanna know who the last team is on the list? Probably gonna piss some people off. The Steelers. Look, Kenny Pickett is great. He played some nice football last year. They spent a pretty high draft pick on him. Lamar Jackson to the Steelers from the Ravens. Again, they would, they would rather burn themselves alive in Baltimore than let Lamar Jackson be the Steelers quarterback. I don't care, not the point of this exercise. Steelers go get Lamar Jackson. Boom, it's a nuclear. He's incredible. Black helmet with the, the Steeler logo thing with the three fireworks on it. Running up and down the sideline. I like it. Guys, that's 16. That was easy. I feel like I could do more. I really do. So Lamar Jackson sits, I don't know, hopefully in a gym somewhere or on a couch or at a restaurant. And I don't know if he's going to be a Baltimore Raven ever again. But I just named 16 teams that would immediately be better if they brought him in. Go take a look. Ravens say, everybody's welcome. We have lemonade for you here. Come check out our most valuable, most talented asset. And if you have enough money, he can be yours. That's 16 teams. One of them should go get him. Let's get into what I hate. This one's a little tough.
So we're at this precipice right now where even though I've never thought it was going to happen, I even I have to admit that there's certainly a realistic possibility that Aaron Rodgers is going to join the New York Jets. You know what's driving me crazy and also kind of making me laugh? I can't get the Bills guys to admit, man, this would be serious. We'd really have to step our game up. If Rodgers joins the Jets and he joins our division, whew, all right, go time. Time to roll up our sleeves and go to work. I can't. I can't get a reaction from them. These guys will not break their poker face, and I've tried. So these rumors first started coming up a few weeks back. Josh was on here. Josh was in the basement, and we're talking back and forth, and this is becoming big news. And sure enough, it's even as a guy who really likes Rodgers as a person, as a player, Josh is playing the like playing it as if some dude like like Josh McCown was in the league and entering the AFC East to join the Jets again. Like it's look at this reaction a few weeks back when I'm like, dude, Josh, man, can you imagine Rodgers joins the AFC East? Here's his reaction. If he joins them, um, you know that's it's another good quarterback that we got in the division that you know, we're gonna have to. No, it's not. Play them well, and it doesn't matter really who's. <laughs> Who's quarterback for them right now? For for my sake, because again, their defense is playing at such a high level. Uh, you know, I got to focus on on what they're doing on defense. You right. focus on the defense. The fact is, it's another good quarterback. It's a four time MVP. It's the best I've ever seen in my life. We've talked about this before. I'm a Rodgers guy too. I know he has his critics or whatever. Like he is a bad, bad mother. This is a game changer. When you you see that news, Rodgers joined the Jets. <laughs> you're like, think about it. Go get some throws in. Yeah, no, he, he definitely is. If he's not, you know, the the most physically gifted quarterback to ever play the game in terms of what he's done and how he's been able to do it, I don't I don't know who's up there with him. Um, but in terms of throwers of the football, he's probably number one to ever do it. Okay, so yes, he's it, Rogers. Aaron Rodgers is a very good thrower of the football. We established that. We had that that take, and we had Josh saying. You know, it's just another great quarterback to enter division. Who, who's the first, second, and third great quarterback that he'd be joining? <laughs> what? We're, we're talking about, uh, I don't know, young Mac, Zach Wilson, uh, I guess Tua. Um, what, 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 are we, what are we doing here? It's, it's like, you know, if, if, uh, if uh, um, Daniel Day-Lewis joins the cast that features, like, David Hasselhoff or something <laughs> like, well, we got another great actor on set. No, dude, it, that's that's the dude from Troop from nah, from There Will Be Blood. That's the dude from My Left Foot. That's not just another great actor you have on set here with uh, Corey Feldman like this. That's Daniel Day. That's Aaron Rodgers. But I know where Josh is coming from. He's not going to be like, well, what I'm going to shake in my boots is my division. I've got the t-shirts. I win the division. I love Rodgers, but he's going to sign, you know, line up and take a loss. So, whatever. Josh is doing his thing. Today on Good Morning Football, Micah Hyde is a host for all three hours. He is tomorrow, too. So, start talking Rodgers, of course, and he kind of follows the same notes. Check this out. Your Bill's safety, your Bill's captain... The news breaks after the show today that Rodgers is coming into your division. Yeah. Do you start the text chat, the defensive backs? Do you do extra reps in the gym? Do you start working <laughs> out more? Like, the bad man is coming to your yeah. neighborhood. No, you just, you know, 
go about your business. Each and every week is is a challenge in this league, no matter what. You can play, you can play amazing tight ends. You can make, play amazing running backs, quarterbacks. So each and every no, week no, is no, a no, 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 no. I don't accept that. You guys go against Mac and sort of Skyler, some guy named Skyler. This is Rogers. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. Week in and week out, playing them two times in a, in a, in a season. Possibly three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is going to be tough. There we go. That's it, Micah. Listen, I understand you're not going to cower in fear and say, well, we'll hand over the title for the division to some guy who, you know, who's incredible and is a first bout Hall of Famer and won four MVPs. I don't expect that. But also, like, these guys are reacting as if I say, so, uh, you know, Chase Daniel uh, joined the, the Patriots in a backup role. How do you feel that challenge is going to be? Well, you know, we just go about our business and it's another great quarterback. Not another great quarterback. I I think it's the best ever. And Rodgers on a Jets team that has the offensive and defensive rookie of the year and several other great players is a problem. Especially when that Jets team beat the Bills last year with Zach Bleep and Wilson. They beat them. You can look it up. So... I just want like an acknowledgement of the challenge in front and Micah got there and I like it because you know when I'm saying him do you get the Bills defensive text chain together tell you what the Jets are a coordinated assault they're all over Twitter they're recruiting Rodgers I'm sure they're DMing Rodgers and texting Rodgers so you know that the Jets text chain is ready and coordinated because they're they're assaulting at the same time with the sort of same angle with the same approach like the Jets are going for it and of course they should imagine if you're some safety linebacker or left guard wide receiver on the Jets you're like whoa, whoa 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 hold on we could go from dimple face Zach Wilson to Obi-Wan Kenobi Aaron Rodgers yeah what traffic do I have to walk into to make that happen I'll do anything this will change my life if we get Aaron Rodgers I just wonder if it'll change the Bills' life. Because, listen, let's just talk truth. As a, as a Bills fan or Bills community, there was a long, 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 long dark era of losing to Tom Brady every year, normally twice. That guy leaves, thank God, and then like it's been this nice little thing for a few years where Josh is the best quarterback in the division by far, by far, and to his credit, and to the Bills' credit, and Bean's credit, and everybody there. Rodgers walks in, there's another rooster in the hen house. And you can beat him, of course. But it just gets a lot harder, and there's a respect for Rodgers, and there's a danger of Rodgers having that much talent around him, and that much to prove, and that much motivation. Maybe they play Rodgers and the Jets week three, and they win 38-7. to You know? Maybe not, though. I just want to say, it's hilarious to me, it probably should be in what's hilarious, that the Bills players are like, eh, it's fine, no big deal. Okay, I hope they're right. I'm a Bills guy, I love the Buffalo community. I pretty much openly root for the Bills. I hope they just dominate next year. Aaron Rodgers at least concede to me will make it just one iota harder rather than just slapping around whoever else the Bills were gonna roll out. That's what I'm into. Let's go to what's hilarious though and shift gears. This cracks me up. So I still think Allen Iverson's practice rant, all these years later, really is the preeminent NBA monologue. It's it's just tough to beat. 
it's become um, almost uh, caricature at this point. It's been used in commercials. It's something that is known so well that, like, you know, your mom would know it. Practice? What are we talking about practice? This is really awesome. Just, it's, an, it's, I think it's the standard NBA rant, the gold standard. Something happened last night that was reminiscent of it. It really was. Fred Van Vliet, who you might know from the Raptors, good player. I always like kind of how he carries himself on the court. <laughs> he took a run at the title. I don't think he ran down Iverson, but... He had a much different direction that he went after the officiating. And you know, heard a million players complain about a million officials. There's something about the way Van Vliet did it that really cuts through. So the Raptors lose to the Clippers. They lost 108 to 100. They lost by eight points. And Van Vliet got a technical foul from referee Ben Taylor. Also, the Clippers had 17 more free throw attempts than the Raptors. And after the game, <laughs> Van Vliet sits down. He has something to say about uh, referee Ben Taylor. And guys, it went like this. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was f***ing terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just the game up. You know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bull tech. Changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be and um, just kind of the game up. Nobody's coming to see that. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was and um it's been disappointing this season um you can look up most of my texts this year have been with ben taylor officiating so at a certain point as a player you feel it's personal and um it's never a good place to be that's not why we lost tonight we got outplayed um but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome it's incredible and i have a lot of things about it that are incredible Imagine how referee Ben Taylor's Thursday is going, listening to that. If he had a Twitter account, he should just reply to the video and just say, nice sweater, nerd. <laughs> uh, Van Vliet has a sweater on, speaking of fabric. You know what, what's compelling about that? There is such a power in composure. His body language, his tone, his volume is so poised and so confident and calm this is not a player who's pounding the table or flipping it or screaming. He's just sitting here holding court. It's like someone asked him what he had for lunch today and he just, just goes on and on. Specifically, this official was bleeping terrible. We get into the heavy stuff, like the fabric of the game. He referred to the referees as the D word, which I'm not allowed to say, which is a really funny word. Sorry, in the context, maybe not, but word hilarious. And he just sits there in his cool sweater and his bracelet, and he looks a lot like Mike Evans from the Buccaneers, and he just starts going. As it, There's a matter-of-factness that I really like about this rant, that I'm not screaming, I'm not emotional, I'm sitting here telling you that Ben Taylor was bleeping terrible tonight, like I can point to the sky and tell you that it's blue. We just know that. And every night, at least one or two of the guys of the three are bleeping terrible, 
And then you, you <laughs> I like when he kind of coats it with a little bit of, you know, I have respect for these referees and everything. Let me ask you this. How fast during the next Ben Taylor officiated Raptors game do you think Van Vliet will get his first technical foul? In the first two minutes or the first two seconds? <laughs> will he get teed up at tip-off or during warm-ups? When, when Van Vliet is walking off the bus into the arena and they're doing like their arrival shot, does Ben Taylor just come in and tee him up just for no reason because he wants to? That is, that is a wildly personal rant wildly personal and that's one thing that differentiates it from iverson iverson doesn't name names he's just saying whatever i missed the practice i play really hard every night i do i really need to be in practice every time he has a whole different point <laughs> how many people knew ben taylor's name I, I i was googling it today there's thousands and thousands of google searches for ben taylor today and then if you just put in ben taylor at some musician i don't know you have to do ben taylor nba like he's everywhere. And man, I, I, I've thought about this for a long time. There's, there's the sort of funny theater side of this rant. And then there's like the heavy side about the weight of officiating. And I'll tell you this, in the difficulty of officiating games, the difficulty, um, I think it goes like this. I, I have, in the, let's say that in the major three sports, we'll keep out MMA and hockey, let's, those three. Baseball, I think is actually in most most difficult. I think is the third. Call, balls and strikes is really hard, and it's getting more and difficult. But more basically, it's like does the guy's foot hit the bag before he catches the ball? My opinion. Football, I think, is second because there's 22 players, and also there's the most viewers, and you catch the most heat when you're wrong. And there's officiating experts who are contradicting you. The whole deal of the sport and the media machine around football officiating makes it the second. But I still have NBA officiating as the hardest thing to do in sports. I think it is the hardest one. I'll tell you why. Ten players moving very quickly on a very small court. A lot to look for. You only have three officials. And it's constant contact. It's, it's, what is a foul when someone shoots? Of course their hand hit his wrist, but did it hit it hard enough? Did it affect the shot? It's very difficult to do. And I think especially now, you're in an NBA game and watch the officials. It is the most intimate atmosphere. You are so close. The officials are right there. They're the 11th, 12th, and 13th players on the court running up and down with their sneakers on just like their players. They're not like the NFL officials who have hats on, who have long sleeves on often. They're out there in t-shirts with their hair combed, with their face all over the world. And they're refereeing the NBA Finals. Very difficult to do. Very vicious on social media. Very difficult game to call. So, have you ever sat in any way close to an NBA game where you can really hear what the players are saying? I got to go to a game, like, last, last season, a year ago, and I got to get really good seats because someone gave them to me as a gift and I got to sit really close. The coaches do nothing all game but scream at the referees. At least in, in this, at least this coach. And just constantly, every time the ref comes down, chirping at him, chirping at him. Come on, you're killing me, you're killing me. Give us a call, give us a call. You were terrible last time down here, you're gonna be terrible next time. What do I gotta do to get a call? And eventually the refs just start to be enough, enough, enough. Shut up, they'll say shut up, they'll say shut the bleep up. And it's like, these guys have got to be out there with, in the middle, these are three normal dudes. They're in the middle of guys who are six, eight, seven feet, six, nine. They're way physically intimidating and they can't back down an inch. 
Like they have to claim their territory that they belong on that court. They have a job to do and their job is equally as important as your job. Like those guys have this whole defense thing they have to do where they cannot let the players punk them. And so that's why like this referee, Ben Taylor, the way he responds to this next time he does a Raptors game is must watch TV. I can't wait to watch it. And maybe the league will keep him off the Raptors for a while if they can, but eventually it will happen. And you can't back down. You can't let you can't let Van Vliet own you. I mean, listen, this goes back a long way. It used to be Rasheed Wallace once got teched up, teed up just for staring at an official. He got one tee and then he stood there just staring at him like nonstop for a minute. And the referee teed him up and ejected him because he thought Rasheed Wallace was trying to intimidate him. And like, I kind of get where that's coming from. The old Crawford thing where he used to have the thing for Tim Duncan and ejected Tim Duncan from the bench because Tim Duncan he thought was laughing at him and said, get out of here. I mean, it was ridiculous and it was embarrassing, but in the psyche of the official, like he's disrespecting me, he's punking me, like I have to stand up for myself. And he's right, no one's coming to see the officials. They're coming to see Tim Duncan, Rasheed Wallace, and Fred Van Vliet. But man, I, I, if you get into the deep psyche of NBA officials, where every time down the court, if the coach is not yelling at them, the players are complaining or the fans are screaming at things, they're recording them on their phone. These are guys making I don't know how much money with families at home, and they're just getting completely disrespected at every turn. They have the hardest job, I think. I really do. The hardest job in sports, NBA officials. And I, I, I listen, whoever ends up in the NBA Finals, I don't care if it's game seven and it's triple overtime, I am more interested in Ben Taylor initiating the next Toronto Raptors game than I have been in any NBA game, I think, since Jordan played. I want to see that. I want to see how it goes. And does Van Vliet ride him? And does he try to get teed up? Just every single part of that. Can we do Radio Row outside the next Raptors game? Because I just want to do the show from there. Let's go to Canada. Let's bring the basement with us. Fred Van Vliet versus Ben Taylor. That is the fight that I want. Never mind the Paul brothers. Never mind it. those guys. What an incredible rant. The fabric of the game is at risk. I love that stuff. Let's get though to the fabric of this show, which is sometimes reaching out to you guys and getting you involved. We do a segment here. It's called Family Confessional. Let's confess. Hey, spring is in the air and that can only mean one thing. Spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale. With 50% off site-wide, grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean-fresh seafood, juicy burgers, incredible air-chilled chicken, and decadent desserts. Yeah! Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code BASEMENT at checkout, you'll receive an additional $30 off your order. It's the perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait! Go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code BASEMENT at checkout and take advantage of this deal. Do it. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away and you're going to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time. You feel me? Don't miss your chance to save. Visit omahasteaks.com, use code BASEMENT at checkout and get an additional $30 off when you shop their semi-annual sale today. Minimum order may be required. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. 
That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. See that disgusting couch? See that off-kilter little uh, needlepoint piece? This is a place of comfort, I promise you. And if you have a husband or a wife or kids, parents, whatever, any sort of family that you have around you, I bet you've done really terrible, reprehensible things, at the very least regrettable things, that you're like, man, that was not my finest moment as a husband. That was not my finest moment as a mother, whatever it may be. Confess them here. You confess them, you come in, I'll help you maybe. Sometimes I can't help. Sometimes what you've done is so terrible, I just have to move on to the next one. But uh, we have a phone line here. It's 2524-BRANTS, 2524-BRANTS. Call in, leave a message, we listen to it, try to help. We try to help. And I always start, I lead by example. That's try to leader I try to be. Um, we were in Disney World, I talked about that. We were in Disney World uh, a week ago. We were still there. And we had had a long, hot day. And I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and we had gotten off a ride, and we were in the Hollywood Studios Park, which is where the Star Wars land is and the Toy Story land. And we were kind of over by Star Tours, if you know where that is. And there's a churro stand. And my wife and I used to always have churros at Dodger Stadium in L.A. when we were living in California. And so, oh, churros. You know what? The kids would love churros. I don't know if they've had them. or They haven't had them in a while. Just long, warm, cinnamony goodness. So we go and buy two churros, which I think, I don't remember, I think they were $9 each. So it's 18 bucks. And I hand one to my son and I hand one to my daughter and um, they both take a bite and they really like it, but they had to go run and look at something. So they both hand me their churros and as my daughter's tandem churro and running away, I just drop it. I drop it on the ground, on the cement at Disney World and it's, it's, and it's got one bite out of it. And the thing's probably this long with one bite missing. Falls out of the little envelope wrapper napkin thing, falls out. So it is not only on the ground, it is fully exposed, unsheathed churro on the ground. Every inch of the bottom surface area is up against the concrete of Walt Disney World in the heat. Um, countless millions of footprints had been there several just moments earlier. Who knows? Disgusting stuff. And um, if I drop something in the kitchen of a house or a restaurant even, I don't care. It's my second kid and I just pick it up fine. My conscience kicked in a little bit that that is a disgusting surface right there. That, that's not just the typical ah, five second rule, ha ha ha, pick it up, brush it off. It was a gross surface. I mean, it's not like I dropped it in like a subway bathroom or something, but it was bad. Picked it up right away. Gave it to her, didn't even think about it. Didn't do any kind of brush off, didn't do any, none of that. Just hand it to her, put it right in her mouth. Countless germs, bacteria, whatever. I'm not saying that this is a felony in the dad world of confessional. I'm kind of convincing, uh, confessing to a misdemeanor, but I, my conscience did kick in. And somebody was replied on Twitter when I was mentioning it. Somebody said, crack me up. Their reply was um, when I said that I just gave it right back to him. They said something like, well, yeah, of course, you know, you, oh, here we go. This person said, would have, been, <laughs> would have been more of a sin if you threw it away. That's what's to confess to. Well, thank you, Dane Erickson. I did not throw it away. You make me feel better already. But that was mine. Not my worst sin, but certainly 
not my best moment. Let's go to the phone lines right now. We have two callers that have left us messages about things that they want to confess within their family. And I think it's a great harbinger of what's to come that they decided not to leave their name, their city or anything. We just had two unidentified callers. And here we go. Caller number one, confess. Hey Kyle, uh, we, uh, my wife and I um, have resorted to locking my three-year-old in her bedroom at bedtime because she refuses to stay on her own and then we'll unlock it overnight once she falls asleep. I don't know if that's recommended, but it's a nightly routine for us. Uh, love you, Kyle. Love GMSB. Love, love the podcast, the show. Thanks. I love you too. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I gotta lock that three-year-old in. Um, as, as always, I have follow-up questions. So when you lock her in and you go downstairs to, you know, catch up on White Lotus or whatever, does the three-year-old attempt to open the door? Can you hear her? When she finds that it's locked, do you draw her rage? Does she start screaming, pounding the door, calling for help? Does she get scared? Is there any of that going on? Because otherwise, I'm fine. I got no problem that you lock the door. What's gonna happen? She's gonna go to sleep, she's gonna learn her lesson. You know, at some point you gotta lock the damn door. You can't just let her keep coming out. There's, I don't see any real safety risk. She gonna have to get out of the room in case there's a fire? Come on. What are they, didn't they used to like mark bedrooms that have children in them so firefighters can come out? Or you have one of those cloth ladders or something? <laughs> in case there's a fire that you don't even know in your daughter's bedroom and she needs to be saved by firefighters, just put one of those little symbols outside the window of your house. It's a little discreet. They sell them online, make you feel better. Other than that, I, I got no problem with you locking the door. Listen, have you finished all of us yet? Or The Last of Us? Have you finished The Last of Us? Come on, you got busy work days. You can't keep coming down and interrupting you. Enough. All right. Unidentified caller number two, please confess. Yeah, Kyle. You know, I mentioned New Jersey. I have a Disney World story too. Two-year-old son in the carriage pulled up to the, it's a small world ride, parked the carriage, left the kid in the carriage. So let's just say uh, my Disney vacation the rest of the week was not a happy one as my wife was pretty pissed off. Enjoy the show. Let me get this straight. You go to a small world. It's right there across from Peter Pan. It's a very, very busy part of the Magic Kingdom for foot traffic. Are you saying, sir, that you put your stroller over in the bustling stroller area, stroller parking area, and you went and rode Small World and you left your child in the stroller? Is, am I understanding that right? How long was the line? And how old is your child? Was this a sleeping baby? And was the baby in shade at least? <laughs> I mean, did he just confess to an actual crime? <laughs> so if I understood that right, and Flynn, by all means, get in here if I'm not. I believe the gentleman said he left his child, whose age he did not give us, in the stroller, in the stroller parking area, went on a small world, which, I, I what if you waited in a 30 minute line or something like that, and then rode the, the small world is a long ride too. It's gotta be like eight or nine minutes. So the baby or the kid, it like is it was just there? Flynn, am I understanding this right? 
I, I think you're understanding it 100%. Um, oh, darn. I gotta say, uh, A, yes, it's a small world, such a long ride. We need the follow-ups. Yeah. Like, did he did he go on the ride? Does he have other children? Did he and his wife get on the ride with no children? And at what point on that ride did they realize that they didn't have children with them? Uh, I'm going to assume that they have other children. I'm also going to assume that they figured it out before they got on the ride. I'm going to give him the benefit of that doubt that he realized it at some point. I also have to say, I understand it. Even though it's not the best scenario in the world, we have four kids and yeah. stuff happens. Four kids, I can see. Then you're into like the sort of McAllister thing where God, there's just so mm -hmm. many things. But if it's one kid, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see that. I, I remember when we had our first kid, you hear these horror stories, and uh, my wife was so afraid that I would do something. You hear these horror stories of like um, parents who take the baby carrier and put it on the top of the car, and then they drive away because they forgot like the baby was up there. And I was, I would like, she'd be like, you just have to be careful. I'm like, what kind of idiot do you think? You think I'm gonna drive away? And like, I stand by that. I never would have done that. I don't think that's a, a, that's a normal thing in any way to do. So. Maybe we get a follow-up call from this gentleman. We need more details. Flynn, tell me if I'm missing anything here in our follow-up questions. One, I'd like to know how old the child was. Two, was the child sleeping? Three, what other children do you have going on? And did you leave them there for the entirety of the line? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> aren't you like, man, aren't I missing something? It, it's, it's like exactly like Mrs. McAllister. She waits till 30,000 feet to yell Kevin. So is there anything else we need to know from this gentleman? Because I have a feeling he's gonna call back. No, I think those are the four follow-ups. You nailed them. Uh, again, please call back because we sympathize with you. And like, I have to say, like, anytime I'm in the car, like, I know that all four of them got in there, but at some point, I'm definitely doing it. Okay, good. Yeah. We have four. Yeah. It happens. Also, call us and give us your letter grade for a small world. I have a small world take that we'll do for another segment. I driving through it, and it's such a sad commentary. I'm like. Is Small World gonna be canceled at some point? Is there something offensive about Small World? I, I'm just seeing people in their traditional local garb and I feel like someone's gonna get mad. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but that's where my mind was. Maybe that guy was thinking about this too and he left his kid there. Flynn, um, I have a feeling that you'd like to confess as well. You have four kids, what do you got? I do. I have four kids. It's about time I got into this segment. Only a matter of time. Let's go. Uh, so context, four kids. I have two boys. They're 10 and 9. I have two girls. They're 6 and 3. Uh, and all four of them are well aware uh, that their parents are not perfect. And they routinely may hear their parents drop a curse, whether in frustration, uh, whether for a joke, uh, they hear it. And especially the boys understand the context of those curses. A curse like, word? They, or like a, a curse, curse word. Like you're, you're no, Harry, <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing any Harry Potter stuff in here. All right, profanity. Uh, yes, profanity. Uh, okay. so, so, so they're aware of them. And sometimes the boys even will drop one in context and will laugh and be like, okay, that was funny, but you know, you better not ever do that at school. You better not ever do that when you're at a friend's house. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the most part, understand this story is not about the boys. This story is about Grace, who is my six-year-old, my kindergartner, who's like, doesn't curse, like wakes up on her own, gets dressed, makes her bed, brushes her teeth. Like Grace is, is great. She's the, the, the good one. So we went to Disney World 
two weeks ago. And this year was big for Grace. It was our second trip to Disney World. The boys did all the roller coasters and stuff last year. This was big for Grace because Grace was going to try the roller coasters. And she was very excited. But then we got down there and she was nervous. So I said, okay, we're in Hollywood Studios. We're going to go on Slinky Dog Dash. That's going to be your first roller coaster. Great so ride. we get on. It was a great ride. So we get on the ride and I think we have a picture of her here. I go on first with my oldest, Eamon, who's 10, very excited. Okay. And Grace, who is terrified but also sort of excited so we get on the ride and she's doing the usual like is it is it fast does it go upside down I'm like yeah. it's fast yeah. but you'll love it you'll love it so we take off and slinky dog isn't one of these ones that goes on an incline right away it just no. straight away goes around and around and around yeah. so we take off we take off right away and she immediately begins screaming what the f what the f what the f <laughs> over and over and over again until we come to a stop because Slinky stops at one point. It has a double launch. So we stop yeah. and I'm like, Grace, Grace, what was that? And she's like, is it over? And I said, and I said, no, there's a little bit left, but like you can't curse. And she says, okay. So we take off for the second launch and the second one's like a, a Slinky. It goes up and down and up and down and we go up. And again, she goes, what the f what the f what the fuck? So, so it's a mess. I've got the people in front of us. Roller coasters are loud, but they're both like looking back. Like, is this really happening? And she gets off and she's terrified. She doesn't want to go on roller coasters anymore. I have a part two of this story. On our last night there, we're at Magic Kingdom and the boys want to take her and try to get her on another one. And in the way back of Magic Kingdom, there's a roller coaster called the Barnstormer. It's a goofy roller coaster. It's like a 30 second roller coaster. It's the easiest sure. thing in the world. So she agrees to go on it with me. And this one does have an incline right away. So as we're going up, 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 she's asking me, like, will you hold me the whole time? It won't be fast, right? It won't be fast. So I'm like, you'll be fine. This in 30 seconds, we'll be on the ground. You'll be good. So we go down the incline. And again, she goes with what the f goofy, what the f goofy, what the goofy ah, ah. at the top of her lungs. And I like that one even more because it seems so personal to her that Goofy had done yeah. this to her. Sure. So, we, so we get to the ground and she decides she loves it. And we wrote it three times in a row because it was the end of the night and there was nobody there. Uh, so overall, I think she'll do roller coasters next year. I hope she'll keep the profanity to a minimum, but absolutely shocked and don't know what that says about my parenting that that just comes out. Great job, Grace. I like it. And I do like also that she seemed to be addressing it at Goofy as if to mm -hmm. say, what are you doing to me, Goofy? I trusted you. If you could have <laughs> gone to the, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves mind train ride, she could have done it what the bleep to Snow White, what the bleep Grumpy, yep. what the bleep Dopey. Like she could have <laughs> expanded the entire brand. It's a charming story. I love it. I know the Barnstormer really well because my daughter who's also six loves it too. Flynn, my problem with my kids swearing is that when they do it, I have to sprint out of the room so they don't see me laughing when they do it. Yep. Like, I, there's many things that I'm worried about with my children. I don't care if they use profanity as long as it's not in class or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. that's not something I'm gonna lose sleep over. What a great story about Grace Flynn. I love that. Um, you stole the segment, Flynn. Great job. Um, we have you, identified caller who locks the door on his three-year-old, unidentified caller who left his kid in the small world, and me dropping churros. It's a great segment. Thank you for contributing, not to you, to Grace. Uh, and we'll see you tomorrow, buddy. I'm gonna throw a dart. We'll see you tomorrow. Guy Cam. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. 
It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Skycam, what the bleep, dartboard? What the bleep? See, I'm bleeping myself. I'm a professional. Michael Flynn just used real potty mouth right here on Kyle Brandt's basement. Today's number is eight. What is topic number eight to end the show? And I will do that so with grace and with a PG rating. Proper company holiday, holiday party etiquette. Um, proper company holiday party etiquette. I just saw that movie, the Jennifer Aniston movie about, about Christmas party or office Christmas party. It's actually pretty good. I was surprised. There were some really funny parts. Um, it's so crazy now with the office parties and the last few office parties that I've gone to are so concerned, rightfully so, about liability. that <laughs> The bosses are so nervous about someone getting drunk and leaving and getting in trouble or something like that. I just think the office party etiquette rule, the first and only rule, is just go. Just go. Go to the office party. I've seen people who don't go, show up and they're meaningful people in the company, or in my case, like, you work on a show or something and someone who everyone, like, you know, kind of helps and robs doesn't go. You gotta go. Um, go. I think also, there's this thing about don't drink too much. Also, don't drink too little. If you are someone who drinks, have a drink and have two. That's a party. It's if you're just standing around talking about work the whole time and not drinking, you're not at a party. You're at work. Have two drinks. Be safe. Go. Don't drink too much. Don't drink too little. And I, I wish I was going to a holiday party this weekend. I unfortunately I have to wait nine months to go to one. But that's it. It's a party every day here with you fine people. That's it. Uh, if we're going to be back tomorrow, unless Peyton and Eli decide that Michael Flynn was too profane on the air and decide to end the program. Otherwise, we'll be here. We'll be talking quarterbacks. We'll be talking anything you want. Love you. Miss you. Please exit through the garage. Close the door on your way out. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.